Hello, Horribles. Happy Wednesday. We are replaying an interview that we did with the director, Brad Michael Elmore, that we just played our, our review of Bit on Monday. Uh, obviously, that's a, a, a re-release for our group of, of Pride films. Um, we, we talked about that one before. Now, we do have the very unique pleasure of having Brad on uh, this week to talk about one of his favorite horror movies. So on Friday, both Brad and our friend Danny Lore will be on to talk about uh, Demon Knight, the Tales from the Crypt film. Um, we're super excited for that. In the meantime, we wanted to share this interview with you uh, in which we talked to Brad about Bit and about making Bit. And uh, I mean, Bit's one of our favorite movies. So if, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, there is no time like the present. Go check out this movie. It's great. So we will see you back here on Friday. And until then, stay horrified. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Monday morning, everybody. We have a very special treat for you today. So, as you all know, we recently reviewed the film Bit, which if you haven't watched it, go watch it. If you haven't listened to our review, absolutely check that out because we got a really cool and unique opportunity to talk to the director of Bit, Brad Michael Elmore. He's the writer and the director, and really dig into his process and what that movie is about and all the things that uh, he loves about it and the things that he <laughs> hates about the version of it that came out because there's been a lot of there were a lot of changes between you know his version and what came out in theaters well didn't come out in theaters because of the pandemic but what's on you know your your home devices now um, but we had such a it was such a cool opportunity to sit down and really just uh, dig in with him so we have a nice long interview with him today. Uh, it's me, Ben, Emily, uh, and we, we solicited some questions from some friends as well, uh, just so we could cover all of our bases. But it was so cool. Thank you so much to Brad for sitting down with us and talking about this movie. Uh, you will notice that this, <laughs> this episode has no intro because I am absolute garbage when it comes to interviews. Um, and we just sort of started talking, and then uh, I realized that, like, we should actually start asking questions after, like, five minutes of us just uh, just chilling and chatting. So I, I cut that stuff at the beginning because, uh, you know, it's not officially part of the interview, and I, I don't want to slam some stuff on somebody that, that they uh, didn't know was being recorded. But here it is in its entirety with... No further introduction from me, which is why I'm doing this introduction now. So this is our interview with Brad Michael Elmore, the writer and director of Bit. We hope you enjoy, and we will see you back here on Friday. All right, so uh, let's. Uh, we've got a, a few questions here for you. I guess sort of the the best one to start out with, I think, is probably just uh, what was. Like, what was the genesis of this idea for you? Did you start with, you know, the the idea for, like, the bike club side of things or with the Laurel side of things or just 
the idea of making a queer horror movie? Where where does this start? It started with a uh, very simple, like, I'd made a lot of genre connections making Boogeyman pop, you know? Yeah. And that's my second film. And though I didn't, I, I never really wanted to do genre. That's just, I don't, not, I'm not looking down on it at all, but it's just not what I want to do. I, I, I didn't start there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a way to get money, you know? It is, it is a very effective tool with which to, to, to raise, to raise money. And I figured that if I wrote to, to take it, cause you know, my first film was really micro budget it was 10 K. My mm-hmm. second film was about 150 K. And I figured, well, if I can now enter into like movie budget movie, but still small, but still something that's, you know, 2 million so around, you know, I, I could do that with a genre script because my other ones would just enter into development or need a, you know go through that rigmarole of trying to attach an actor but you don't need movie stars for genre you know mm-hmm. um and so and my last two movies are very dour and grim and grungy you know uh-huh. yeah. they're 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 uh m- m- like more of a drugged up ken loach kind of thing you know uh-huh. yeah <laughs> and i just didn't want to do that again and i i i like anybody i, I was more fascinated with trying to if I was going to do another genre film, I was wanting to do something very different from my last Boogeyman pop and try, try something maybe uh, a little bit more fun. And I always really liked, um, I felt teen vampires were played out and have been for so long, which is, which, but they're on just this other side of being played out. I don't, where it was like almost the perfect time to do, do it again. I, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, yeah, and there's I always new the teenagers coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And it absolutely felt like a fresh, vibrant take on the teen vampire story. Yeah, I, 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 I love the Lost Boys. Like I, that, <laughs> I, and I loved like early '90s, like New Line Cinema movies. Like yes. those have such a feel to me, like the Ninja Turtles or. <laughs> Or some of those like Brian Yesna films, like The Giver or something like that. Where oh my god! <laughs> they have a certain they have a certain look and feel that I just like. I wanted to replicate that, like catching it on cable or video store feel that I had when I was like twelve or thirteen. And yeah. those movies are all uh, across the board like R rated, you know, outside of Ninja Turtles, which is yeah. the Ninja Turtles is another huge influence on Bit. By the way, the layer is just the Foot Clan layer from ninja turtles movie we but, um, literally i think uh yes. was, it, was it ben that said that in the podcast is, it is was that, me yeah no, that was all yeah. emily yeah yeah because it was it looked exactly it was just the spirit of that foot clan um we were, warehouse where yeah. all the kids were like doing ollies and like <laughs> getting guns yeah because when i was a when i was a kid that that was the coolest thing i'd ever seen you know when i was like six seven years old i'm like i know the ninja turtles are the good guys but i want to hang out there I want to hang out with no. Sam Rockwell and smoke cigarettes and and play pinball and 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 hang out with cute girls smacking their bubble gum like that. I was like, this look, where is this? You know? Yeah. So like, I was like, I I want to do something like the Lost Boys, but what does the Lost Boys look like in like the that smaller two two million dollar model? Because that's a much more robust studio film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd ha- a while. It's uh, excuse me for rambling. So going back. I was, I, I lived in Huntington for a little bit oh. and I was hanging out at the pier one day and 
anytime I'm at a pier, I think of like the Lost Boys, you know, like I just do. Uh, right. And there was a there was a group of like three or four. Like there's a lot of skinheads that hang out on the pier there. Yeah. And there's like a group of three or four skinheads, you know, with their propaganda bullshit. And they're, you know, I'm talking like not like the not like the proud boy types. I'm talking like the like like yard bird looking skinheads. Right. Right. And this like 14 year old girl comes ripping by on a longboard and she's she looks like Slash from Guns N' Roses. Like that's just dressed like Slash, like with a beanie instead of a instead of like the top hat. But like tight black ripped up jeans, huge white shirt that's way too big for her and this kind of like slouched posture and a joint just jutting out of her mouth. And she rips by these guys and she double middle fingers them. And then on a longboard goes down those steps of the Huntington Pier, middle fingering them, smoking a joint and then just disappears. And I was like, I will never be that cool. Uh, I've never been that cool. I'll never be that cool. And I, for some reason in my head, I'm like, if I ever did the Lost Boys, that would be my girl gang. Like, that would be what I would do with it. Like, that would be so like that kind of came back to me, that little mm-hmm. moment I logged. And uh, I, I and I just out of the park. I mean, I think how much of our podcast is just raving about Duke and how cool Duke is. Yeah, Duke and yeah. the whole gang, because I know that the we had the the um that quote about the the girl who looked like slash and related to to or in relation to roya yeah. um where roya's character which is roya we have a lot of ideas for um <laughs> stories and spin-offs about roya all these characters have that even though we only hear from them a couple times they ha- they make us wonder about them just as much as you've wondered about slash girl um double middle fingering <laughs> the skinheads like they really really uh evoked that with these characters was awesome now to like kind of tie it up i think the the element that you're asking about i was a huge fan of interview with the vampire when i was like eight or nine or whenever that came out into theaters my cousin took me to it and it just rocked my world i just really loved that movie um and it was the first time that i saw queer subtext not the first time i saw it but the first time I knew what that I knew that was what was going on, I, I wouldn't have been able to like maybe articulate that. But I mm-hmm. I I was able to like events like there's something that there's 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 a there's a homosexual element to this movie that that it is playing with and 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 sort of overt about, but it is still more subtext than text. Yeah, and um, which which is important because then I started reading the books. And, um, you know, that like I, I grew up listening to a lot of like rock and roll and, and things like that were androgyny and stuff like I think I was just sort of lucky to skate by like maybe certain sort of prejudices. And I was more interested in 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 other people and what they're up to um, to, to some degree, because I, I still was a shithead teenager. But um, so all that aside, I figured like okay, well, why vampire, like now as a, at the time I was 32 when I wrote Bit and I, I thought vampire movies so often use queer subtext, but, but they don't, we don't need them to be, we don't need, different people don't need metaphors anymore. You know, like the, the X-Men don't need to be a stand-in for gay people or black people. The gay and black people exist. You yeah. know, like that. So I thought, well, why don't we just make that part the text and make subtext something else? 
and uh, just hearing a lot uh, about certain conversations over the over the over the years and sort of frustrated with how slow things move or or the types of cookies I saw people wanting for like <laughs> like they'd make Spider-Man's friend trans but they're not going to make Spider-Man trans right you know so I thought like why is everybody so chicken shit <laughs> you know like uh and so I just I I I I'm like I couldn't find it. And I'm a, you know, I, I, I consider myself somewhat of a cinephile and I'm like, has nobody ever just made a trans person the lead of the movie? I couldn't find it. I didn't find it. It didn't, it doesn't exist in genre film at any budgetary level that anybody would, could take seriously, you know? And so I thought that would be something if I was going to do genre again, I thought, well, this would, could be something that appeals to me is, is to be able to do something first and then as soon as I decided to do that, I knew that I couldn't do it willy nilly and I better do, I better do my research, you know? So I did as best as I could and, uh, and just sallied forth with, with that, you know, just like, well, fuck it. Like let's, <laughs> let's, let's get with the program here. I mean, this is, this shouldn't even be a big deal. It's, it's not, you know? And that was sort of, sort of the thrust of it was, if you look at like Michael and the Lost Boys or any any like hero for like teen teen horror, teen R-rated movies, like I just thought, well, like there's universal beats there and I can focus on those um, and and sort of Trojan horse certain things like just showing Laurel going out and and having a night out and having romantic fling is just like not the key, not the like not the point of the story. It's just something that happens, you know, just like, right. just make it, uh, just make it entertaining in, in the way those movies are entertaining, the, the, the way those movies have like escapist elements, you know, and, and then wanting to like, most of those movies are sort of, once I started doing that and sort of figuring that stuff out, I realized like most of these movies that I'm sort of referencing, they're like R-rated lurid movies are aimed and programmed for teen boys. And I think you know what I mean when I say that. And I, I try to figure out what would it look like if you kept it R-rated, lurid, but like, what, what is it, what does it look like for teen, teen girls? You know, and I thought that would be an interesting audience for me to try to think about. Um, and then I, so that's what I was trying to do. So. Well, it's interesting because you have, um, it's not just a teen, it's, it's LGBT teen girls as well because there's not really a lot of like boy chasing in fact that's like antithesis to what this movie's about um you know other than the the i the agenda that uh duke has um different kind of boy chasing uh, yeah different kind of boy chasing (laughs) but uh yeah the the uh the characters um interact with each other the their their romance is um sort of uh just a, a one facet of their arc, you know, the, and it's not so much romance as it is um, uh, understanding, you know, it's not the kind of romance that we see in a lot of genre films that are, you know, where you have like, oh, and then they get the so-and-so at the end, right? And this this wasn't about that. This is about um, sort of unraveling what was going on with the, uh, with the bike club with, from, from Laurel's perspective. Yeah, um, those are just, those are just, the all the romantic elements are just character textures they're just there to fill out like what people do you know yeah. or or to make them more lived in or have desires outside just the plot of the story you know 
Yeah. One um, building element that I loved was the idea that even though they're vampires, they're still just still living with their families and working besides them. And then being a vampire doesn't mean losing your family. What kind of went into building the backgrounds for those girls? Like, especially, you know, I love the detail of the one who like, she works as a tattoo artist with her father. Like, I thought that was such a cool, like world building and character building detail. They're all just sort of, not one for one, but they're all sort of based on just girls I've known in my life, you know, mm-hmm. that, that I thought had were interesting people. And I just sort of took the, you know, I did, I did know a girl who uh, was uh, a tattoo artist from, and she grew up in East LA and, you know, she, her dad owned a comic book store, but she was a tattoo artist. And I just thought like, if I was going to make this like squad of, of girls, I just picked the, some of the more interesting ones that I thought would uniquely fit there, you know, and, and work with sort of Duke's uh, thesis, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's super interesting. Cause I I think in particular, I mean, you know, we mentioned we both, uh, we all love Frog and Roya, but in particular, I think it's so rare to see a female character like, uh, like Roya in a horror movie because I think even when, you know, on the, on the rare occasions that queer women are portrayed, they are still often portrayed in the way that, you know, most of the characters in the L word are. There's, you know, uh, largely femme, they're, uh, you know, uh, beautiful in sort of the traditional femme sense. And uh, that Roya is just like doing her own thing. She's butch, she's badass, as like this character in a vampire movie just feels like feels revolutionary to me thanks um in in my head though not explicitly in the movie the the roya character is like the duke's enforcer Mm -hmm. like like the person who's probably the most loyal to duke um and uh she she is i keep saying she but the, the truth is, is I see I see her as as uh, uh, the the uh, potentially uh, asexual um, character. Okay. Um, it's sort of just a texture I had in my head of of somebody who who isn't necessarily defined by those wants or desires in that way. Um, that did read a little yeah, bit, yeah. especially with Mr. Kitty. <laughs> Was there ever? Any versions of the script where Mr. Kitty showed up? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of things going on with the edit and the script that that didn't quite make it into the into the full film. Um, but also, her the cat that we got just w- would not was just sleeping the whole time. We could never get anything really <laughs> truly good out of it. You know, that checks and, out. I say as I look at my sleeping cat. I mean, making a movie with humans is hard enough. Like getting a cat to. Perf- do anything or you know when you're behind the gun and four setups behind it's just like okay we'll lose the cat we gotta keep going you know yeah um but yeah so that unfortunately mr kitty does not make it into the into the into the final edit is mr kitty a vampire cat or just a regular cat just a regular cat okay that'd be too much power for a cat (laughs) exactly (laughs) i I don't think you can 
you can't you can't trust men with power and you certainly can't fucking trust a cat like uh, a cat like y'all know clifford the dog mm-hmm. yes if if your dog suddenly got clifford size your dog might accidentally sit on you but i think would be relatively the same and love you the moment your cat is bigger than you it's going to eat and kill you immediately you know oh, the power dynamics have shifted instantly <laughs> yeah it's it, it it'll it's like oh yes now i'll do it it would might even torture you first you know that uh they're just a you know i'm gonna walk around playfully batting people off of buildings yeah yeah, yeah. Vampire exactly Kitty is a horror movie all on its own <laughs> exactly um but yeah and i i i appreciate that you guys like uh roya a lot um i get a i get a lot of flack for for the the other girls not having enough um which i understand um but there's only so much room in a movie and, and i gotta say like outside like n- nobody levels that criticism at the lost boys nobody can t- name me anything about any of the vampires in that movie that aren't Kiefer sutherland you know <laughs> yeah there's like uh uh ted there's- or bill preston esquire and the one that looks like twisted sister and the little yeah. kid. <laughs> I think, yeah, but I think that's something we also said, like just wanting to know more about them, see more, and to- completely understanding the limits of time and the constraints of the medium. But I think as as far as criticisms go, our big one is like more. We just want more yeah. of this world <laughs> and these characters in the story. Uh, I have major criticisms of, I could tee off on that movie all night. Um, um, <laughs> I think that there's there's a major element in the edit because uh, the edit got screwed with a lot, um. Um, and so I had to fight the producers on it because they they were very afraid of making Laurel unlikable. And um, oh, I love Laurel; my, she's great. They, yeah. they don't they didn't they didn't quite understand what they were up to. There's it's like eighty five percent my movie, but the fifteen percent that isn't is very fucking crucial to me. Um, the in my in my cut of the movie, Laurel bites people. She actually goes down that road, and we see her push people away. And I think that the the edit as it stands doesn't do because I don't think there's anything really interesting morally about somebody going, "I don't want to hurt, I don't want to bite people." Like that's so boring to me. Um, it, it and it's not really the stated. It's not her. It's not really what I wanted from her. Her arc what i wanted from her arc was metaphorically like anybody a young person you know w- realizing like who who they want they're not behaving how they want to behave and they've gone far down uh, a path you know like when you get caught up when you move out or i guess for some people go to college or whatever and there's this stated thing that she wants to be to people or wants to be and has found herself not being that um Mm-hmm. And which I think is far more interesting than her just having a refusal to bite. I had it more. She does indulge in it and then pulls away. Um, and there's more. And also we see her pushing away certain people around her because I think as it stands, Andy and Mark as characters, they're, they're sort of blow ups at her feel like they come out of nowhere to me. They're not mm-hmm. as earned as they, as they should be because we don't really see we're, we're more told than, than allowed to see her doing that. And they just were so paranoid about making her look unlikable. And I'm like, she's the main character. She's going to be likable. She's a 
you know, this, th- th- that's just not how movies work. You know, you get on the side of, of the main character, you watch them make their decisions and you watch them mess up. That's part, you know, uh, likable, such a weird term. It's more, more about who, who's engaging, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it, I think that's also a term that very rarely comes up when you're talking about male protagonists is this very rarely <laughs> a concern about making male protagonists likable and whether they'll we be likable. We had an entire decade of completely unlikable male protagonists, and we called it a golden age. <laughs> yeah, and, and that complexity is good, though. I, I don't mind it, and I, I wasn't making. She's not Tony Soprano or Don Draper here. We're, we're talking about sort of like within the realm of this like fairy tale rules. Like it just, she just her arc has been flattened out a bit, um, and that, that really annoys me. And then there's little transitional elements that just piss me off too. Like when she's in the car, like my, in my edit, it's just jump cuts and we never leave her face and we see her sort of like enamored with the outside world, but we don't look out there. And they, they put in these weird shots of like LA B roll shots of LA. And it just makes her look like a rube, like, like for every expression, it's just like, Oh, there's a Darth Vader. And then she cuts to her smiling. It's just like, no, she just looks like a dumb rube. <laughs> you know, I, that, like I, this, it, it loses some of the, some of the, the, what I was going for. So it's like little shit like that. And then some of the edit stuff really just, I mean, I had to fight to get it where it was, uh, where it is now. And um, I, I think that the main theme survives of the film, which for me is, is the, the idea of minority voices being allowed access to power to bring them more nuance, you know, which I think is the, the, the big structural foundation that I was going for, but the, the, the mini themes, the mini arcs of the characters have been, have been muted a bit, you know? Yeah. I think our, our biggest question on that going into, you know, the end of the movie was um, we felt like it doesn't come back around to Andy at any point. Like Andy is a very important part of, of, you know, Laurel's arc in this story and sort of the, the lack of, calling Andy and talking to Andy. And then we find out that, you know, Andy has attempted suicide and we don't ever find out what happened with that. And she doesn't ever reconcile. Is there, was there a version of this where that's. More- no, I think for me, what's stated at the end is sort of like, an, cause right after she's told that and she, she said he's in stable condition, they have their blow up and it goes into the big fight. And when she's at the top of the building talking to her brother, I think that's the implication is like, hands will be outstretched there, you know? Mm-hmm. I, that makes sense I, with the ending. Yeah, like, I, I don't really... It's more than the stuff from Andy that should have been toward the center of the film that, that's missing for me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think it's may, possibly implied and maybe not implied well enough that th- there will be some housekeeping on, on her behalf in, in that regard, you know? Even though I do love the whole the theme the arc world goes on like that it felt like a very relatable coming of age like you know moving out and falling in with a whole new group of friends who exactly yeah. find your truest ver- self but a truer version of yourself but also lead you down some questionable paths so uh, to me that was like my favorite horror movies are the ones that always have that like relatable experience at the heart of it and just it was just so nice getting to see a queer main character, a trans main character, but also like, and even with the interference, getting to see them be messy and make mistakes and just 
have that coming of age experience was just so great to see. That's, that's what I was, uh, thank you for saying that. That's what I was kind of driving at earlier was that it, I was looking at, at the universal experiences and the universal experiences in sort of more uh, popcorn movies or, or genre films. And I just felt like, like, you know, everyone deserves their own sexy genre pick, you know, and I, 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 I couldn't believe that there was a dearth of that large, you know, um, Oh, this and, is it. Go ahead. And so I, I, that was like, that's what I wrote toward, you know, for, for all the, for all the research I did. And these were conversations I'd been paying attention to before as well, but for all the research I did to, to, to walk that line, cause I also know who I am and, and maybe where my place is and where, what I can't, I, I, I was very careful to not make a movie that was just about the trans experience. Mm-hmm. That's maybe not where I should be, but I also bristle at the idea of of people possibly staying in their lane because that's just not how writing works. Em- empathy and exploration is 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 the action and the juice when it comes to creativity. You know, you're you're trying to throw yourself into things and, and observe. Observation is not is not germane to any one type of person. Um, I but but you know uh, at at this juncture, you know, I, I making a movie about the trans experience would, would feel like a false move. At the same time, I knew that I couldn't just make her transness a, a completely character neutral element. Mm-hmm. Um, as in like, cause you can't do that with anybody. Yeah. It, it, regardless, like your, your religiosity, your, your, your gender, your, the way you dress, uh, is going to affect the way the world reacts with you. Your life experiences will affect how it reacts outside. So I, I had to account for it. So it's not just, she's not just arbitrarily trans. There had to be elements, but I also was careful to make sure I wasn't doing the things that I'd seen in other films or that I felt like were pandering, uh, things that I could draw from life that I, that I figured aren't shown a lot, like, you know, somebody coming up to her and patronizing her, mm-hmm. you know, or, and, uh, and uh, you know, just little subtle things that that would be there that we could we be picked up on. Fan theories about that guy in the beginning. Who oh yeah, whether he was an egg or a chaser. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, I never thought that art about it, but I just, <laughs> I just, I just knew that was something that existed. Yeah. The 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 idea of there being, I, I didn't want to show the. I didn't want to show a movie about some sort of trauma. I just wanted to have Laurel have this good time, but I wanted to address it in some way that I felt like people in the audience who might identify with her would go, I know that. Yeah, that's, that's, that happens, you know? That's a big old mission accomplished on that. I For real. That. For real. Thank and you. it's interesting because it's, uh, you've got a genre movie and I think that where you're going with this is incredibly, um, progressive in terms of like representation because genre movies are where we could really use representation where you know you have characters that have these um you know important aspects to their identities but it's not about that you know it's not about being trans or being a lesbian or being black or you know it's it's um it's about those characters dealing with this you know crazy situation um and you know you can but it's it doesn't have to be about that their uh, minority identity, 
you know? Right, exactly. It's about, like what you said, it's the coming of age experience for Laurel and then the general themes. It's not about the specific marginalized identity. It's about the overall themes of marginalized communities and relationships to power. Power. Power is the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my big, my big patriarchal stand in is, and, and how structures, power structures can be replicated without even people knowing it or, or even, even reacting against them is in some way can be bad, you know? Uh, but I, I want to be very clear. I don't think Duke says one incorrect thing. I don't think there's one thing out her mouth that I disagree with. Um, period. I, uh, I mean, I, the only, like the movie, the movie ends with Laurel throwing Duke down the hole, but it's not like she dies, you know? Yeah. And also, um, I just saw it as like a Bodie, um, Bodie, Johnny Utah thing. You know, I always liked those relationships of, of, of somebody drawing out something and somebody else, you know, I mean, the, the point break is not condemning Bodie just because he dies in the wave at the end. I mean, just, just the way it has to work with the, with the main character, you know, the, the things, the things closest to her, she has to protect. And that butts up against Duke, you know, um, not Duke, some of Duke's means might be like the, the violation of her own rules to keep power is built is where she has a misstep, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting to me coming around to that message that, you know, Laurel gives at the end about, you know, that I feel like you were talking about, um, you know, whether a person's identity can affect, you know, what they do in the movie. And I think it feels like uh, Laurel's, idea at the end her her idea that you know essentially that people can change and that dudes can do better is tied very closely i think to her her trans identity and it comes from a place of like knowing that she has become her you know better self and that other people can also you know adjust and and become better yeah yeah i i it's I, I really did not want to make a not all men movie. Um, that's <laughs> not where I was going with, with that. It's just that there's a, there's an impracticality to, to certain things, especially since, you know, I am a straight man in this world um, and I don't want to be eradicated. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's, but, but there are, there are, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, yeah, there there's a there's a there's a negotiation going on and you must you should be aware of when you might be stepping on somebody's neck and laurel's thing is that you are you are responsible for that negotiation you know and it can't be just chopped up to this to to well boys that's just boys. part of being yeah. a guy you know yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, boys will be boys, I think is wrong from either direction, right? Like whether it's it condoning is. or whether it's condemning. Yeah. There can't yeah. be excuses for poor behavior when that poor behavior can be controlled. Yeah. And there's, there's also understanding that goes into it. Cause I, I think that there's, there are some people in this world who, who, who are m- more har- harmless. Um, they don't, they may not desire certain things or have certain, things that they were built around them or structures built around them that formed the way they think. And, and so they they immediately just 
throw it under like, well, these people are trash. And it's like, well, yes, but also if you've got nothing to negotiate inside yourself, you're lucky, you know, in some weird way. Like there, 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 there is, there does, you do need to think about stuff and some stuff doesn't, it doesn't come to your attention unless it's, unless it's shown to you or you you understand it. Like not everybody is harmless, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and being aware of where you, where you are not and negotiating that is, is, is important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've talked quite a bit in regards to, you know, the, the fact of, of how society, which we acknowledge is, you know, sexist, which we acknowledge fucks people up also explicitly fucks dudes up in, in, you know, certain ways that uh, take a lot of negotiation to, uh, to change and get past that, you know, we're not always willing to, I think, accept or uh, figure out how to do, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about and things like when we talked about ginger snaps, we talked about how like there's so much about that, uh, about like all the stuff that's going on with the the girls in that movie that like guys are just like not taught to even know anything about. Right. Yeah. What I like about Mark at the end is that he becomes a vampire and then he instantly has these amazing sunglasses on and his <laughs> teacher has like the perfect blood stain. I'm like, damn, being a vampire just right out of the gate makes you more stylish. <laughs> well, okay. So that is, so his father is Bill Paxton. Um, and that what? was something I came to him with and was like, hey, I found the glasses that Paxton's dad, the same type that his father wears in um, Near Dark. Oh my god! Oh my god! I love that. And oh if you and Severin and Severin in Near Dark has the blood on his white shirt, and I was like, "Hey, would it be cool? Do you want to have a little tribute to your father here?" Actually, gives me chills talking about it. And he he was like, "Yes, absolutely, absolutely." So that's just a little nod to his dad, who because Near Dark was a very important movie to me, and I love that movie. Not and it's a ref, it's a influence on on Bit as well. Um, oh, that makes it so. That makes it so much more meaningful and amazing. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Well, did so you... it's it's it virgin. You know, the whole movie is me trying for a type of corn and camp I've never done before, and I think I I miss some of those swings. So, but it, it verges on corny. I'm just throwing his sunglasses on him, but fuck it, I, we're it just had to be done, you know. Um, so it just it it, it resonates it resonates for me and James in in, in a way. That, you know, and and people who pick up on it, that's really cool. But if they don't, that's fine. But um, that's why we did it. It's just a, it's a nod to nod to his pop, you know. Um, the in the episode that was funny because I've uh, when we were talking about recommendations, I was so I was reminded of Near Dark uh, from the movie. I was thinking, you know, what is like this? You know, it doesn't have the explicit LGBT. I don't even know if it even has implicit. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I've seen it a bunch of times. I love that movie. And it had that very similar kind of um, camaraderie with that the, the family of vampires in their van. Mm. Um, so that I didn't even know that, and it was uh, it was enough for me to be like, oh yeah, near dark, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just really interesting to hear all the the um, the influences that we really, I mean, they've really came across um, in the best way possible. Yeah, because I think we specifically 
talked about like Lost Boys a lot when we were talking about this movie because we were like, yeah. it's like, what if Lost Boys was actually as queer as Lost Boys feels? Exactly. No, that. <laughs> I mean, I know that's like a the thing, but but that's that was the mission statement. What if you took the what is so obviously like a a a queer hand at the helm there and with Lost Boys, mm-hmm. and 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 sort of like a a type of gaze that I think that I think gives it that feel. And there is a lot of homoerotic subtext between Michael and, and Kiefer Sutherland's character, uh, David. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm like, that, that's, that's what I was like. We'll just, we'll just make that part like the text. Like that's just, that'll be the, the, the direct part. Other things will be subtext. Like, uh, let, let's let's drag that out of there and, and just do that. Um, yeah. Just kind of get it out of the way and normalize the queer elements and then just let the story play out that isn't about uh, queer identity. The story is not about queer identities. It's, it's about it's about power, you know? Yeah. yeah. One thing I appreciate was just even yeah. that you could have these ambiguous relationships even with the characters being queer. Like Laurel and Duke are both openly queer characters and yet their relationship I felt had so much ambiguity to it and how they felt about each other. And I, it, I think it just added just a really great vibe and you just never knew where their relationship was going to keep progressing. Yeah, I, I just wanted it to mirror, you know, cause I'd always been sort of like, so I love like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, right? But I, I, I love that movie. And I, I collect editions of, of, of Dracula the novel. I'm, I, I'm, I really love Dracula. I just, mm-hmm. I think it's like a, it's from the book to so many different versions of it. I think it's this weird thing that is just bigger than the sum of its parts because it's not like the novel is a great masterpiece of literature. It's not William Faulkner, you know? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's quite lurid and silly actually, but there's, there's something about it and there's something sort of, nihilistic and rock and roll about it too like like dracula is not in in his inception he's not he's not uh frankenstein's monster he's he's not um he's he's almost uh he has it's almost like he has no worldview you know which is totally rock and roll he's mm-hmm. just you know he's just this thing he's i mean he's ugly and pestilent in the book and then the movies sort of sort of had this new version of him based upon the stage play and that grew out into different things. But um, the, the, um, but in, in Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, that movie is another movie. It's like better than the sum of its parts. I love it for its art, art direction, its mm-hmm. costumes, the way it shot the practical effects. It's just like a, the whole thing's practical effects and they use every trick in the book and it's all great. Um, but the, but the, the wears around. <laughs> yeah, that, but that but the narrative thrust in that movie is so bizarre to me, and the reason why it was so bizarre is, is because they don't pick a lane. He's romantic hero trying for this love of his life, or he's a guy who keeps right. women in his basement. Yeah, he can't he can't be both, and he's either this pestilent force or not. And 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 it's like I always thought that was weird. It's just I crossed oceans of time for you, and it's like okay, let's say he gets what he wants. What does he do with all the women he keeps in his basement? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, also and a bizarre so, movie for Keanu's British accent. Yeah, 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 and, and I love Keanu, but but I, I think he is he doesn't have much to do in that movie, and he's he's miscast. You know, uh, a lot of people harp on him for that, and it's just like you know, he he's he's trying, but it just doesn't work. Uh, he's an actor that has to be used correctly, and Hollywood eventually figured out how to do that. 
I yeah. think they were figuring it out early. You ever seen River's Edge? No. Oh my goodness. He's, he's I think so. a, a huge influence on me, like especially like my first two movies. Like, like he's incredible in that. He he was an incredible young actor. The thing is, is that he just has this really sincere delivery that gives him this sort of like odd pitch sometimes, you know. Um, but anywho, that uh, trying to get drive to this thing, and I always thought it was just taken for granted that Dracula is always, is now sort of become this more romantic figure. Mm-hmm. Um, yet he always has slave women, these brides, they're, they're just slaves. And I thought like, nobody's ever, I mean, yes, there's been some sort of, some versions that have addressed that, you know, or, or been about the brides, but I, I thought that it would be interesting to, to, to look at that and turn it on its head. Um, and then uh, you, you guys, comic book fans, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We so, all make comic books. Actually. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's yes. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's correct. Um, the Grant Morrison's run on Batman I found really interesting because he took <laughs> all of Batman's history and did it as one man's biography. Mm-hmm. Like the Silver Age, it just didn't matter. Like all of it. <laughs> yeah. He found a way to put it all in there to make it. And I thought, well, I'm going to do that with Dracula. I'm going to make every version of Dracula one man's biography. Um, like disco, you know, the, the George Hamilton's Dracula from the seventies, uh, uh, the 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 Coppola Dracula, the every every take, all the way up to to Dracula two thousand, new metal Dracula, you know, <laughs> every single take, and and try to make it one man's one man's biography, and how would that fit together? And that was, and and then I just gave him a really ridiculous name because I. Uh, I, I I found him to be a ridiculous character. Yeah. Because the idea of the of the of the of the sort of Byronic romantic hero is something that's so attractive to like young men who are ridiculous inherently. Mm-hmm. Like like especially when you're an adolescent, you know. Like and I thought like well like how 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 funny could we make this? How how pompous. How uh, giving him like a continental name instead of just calling him Dracula because in the world of Bit the book Dracula exists, right? So I I thought well let's give him like a really continental pompous name that sort of like that takes him out of the realm of just being Vlad the Impaler, you know, and suggests something weirder and older and different, you know? Yeah. Because um, even though that's not in the original text of Dracula, that is so now associated with Dracula, the Vlad the Impaler element. Yeah. I'm just rambling now. I don't, what was the question? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious actually what went into your like casting for Dracula, knowing that you have like so much, so many ideas about Dracula. Like what, what made you settle on this Dracula or I guess this actor for Dracula? He's the lead of my first film. Uh, I grew up with him. Nice. Um, and he's the the lead, uh, or he's one of the leads in uh, my second film. Um, and uh, uh, he had come off another project, and I, I, you know, we didn't have any prep time on this movie. I, I feel like he was he was a bit underserved because the initial inception was him to be like really lean, but he didn't have the time to come off another thing he had just done to get there, and once we kind of saw that there was like a, almost like a, a Fraser crane element to him. We just thought, why don't, let's just do that. Like, <laughs> let, don't, don't take it away. Cause I didn't want 
all the guys in this movie have to appear in some way ridiculous from the viewpoint of the of the of, of Laurel and the the main characters. You know, I, I really wanted that. I wanted them all to seem absurd. I even even there's even I even make fun of myself in the movie. The artist who's up there talking about feminism, you know, is just like I'm I'm aware of who I am and what I must look like being asked questions, you know, like about that kind of stuff. And so I figured I'd preemptively poke fun of myself as well, you know. Well, I do love that. I mean, I love the the idea that you do have like the the self-aware ally in there. And then he's just immediately like they're they're cheersing to him, but then they immediately eat him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I, I wanted to ask actually about going back to um Vlad. Um his his whole situation like you're, you're talking about the that kind of vlog with ladies in his basement and the kind the relationship that he had to duke and what happened to duke and all this kind of stuff um i i had a question about how his was was duke's um the sort of extreme element of duke's whole idealism you know is was that a, directly affected by her trauma with Vlad or was that something that she had decided it was mostly something just a reaction to the the world like her whole thing about how you know women are are made into monsters so why not lean into it um or is that more of a Vlad related uh reaction for her to be so extreme I think it's a little bit of both um I I I don't think she was like that in the 70s when she had sort of come into her own mm-hmm. and, and, you know, worked her way up in, into a world and, and, and found herself in that CBGB's niche mm-hmm. um, in the seventies. It's like, I, I, I track her history very clearly as being like uh, somebody who was somewhere in the, in the, in the Midwest or possibly the rust belt uh, like, and just saw as a little kid saw David Bowie on TV and sort of like, like that, that had a huge, that had like a seismic effect in the 20th century. I think for a lot of people, like, yeah. and just, she figured it's like that gave her true North. Um, and, and that was like, I, I want to get to where's that, where's that at? What is this? This is for me, whatever's going on here, you know, like, um, and as soon as she hit 14, 15 went and did that. And, and um, so, Duke is very much sort of what what second wave feminism kind of was. Oh, okay. And and so she's 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 very but like Ooh, I didn't uh, think of it that way. The because yeah. I mean she's she's very much like scum manifesto, you know, like um uh leaning, you know, but but probably wasn't like that. I mean it's really just it's the it's what Vlad did to her is is where she just you know because she was all, she's also somewhere aware that Vlad does not see himself as a rapist. Yeah. You know Vlad sees himself in his own movie as like a as like the the interesting romantic uh, tragic romantic figure who just is so convinced he's interesting but really is just this guy who's so fucking boring he can't figure out anything to do but rape women for centuries, you know. He's yeah. And and having her having her identity taken from her right when she was able to grab it um, is just something that I think sealed in her head what she already suspected about about what men are, you know, Mm -hmm. and 
but I also kind of wanted like the first time we see Vladdy's in white, he kind of looks like a ridiculous hippie cat Stevens. I imagine him sort of like being, he needs young people to connect him back to the times. So maybe he's been dormant since the sixties and then walks into CBGB's and is like, I have no idea what this is. And you like <laughs> get me in touch with what's going on. Um, uh, but Duke now does that. So the first oh. time we see Duke, she's in, she's in white, just like him. And she has her brides. And though she's not like Vlad, she's not a rapist. There is, there is the idea that he revealed at the end that she is, she is in their heads to make the, killing more easier for them right. um and and she, she too is like she both sees in laurel somebody who's probably had to fight to get to where they needed to be with their identity and, and admires that in laurel uh but is also needing needs young people to to keep her connected to youth because in her case she she her youth was snatched away from her um so yeah so, so she sort of almost unwittingly recreates uh the, the same structure yeah. that that vlad had that last teenage years i thought was so interesting coming from duke because even though laurel is the trans main character of it the duke's whole experience of not getting the correct teenage years and trying to get them back uh is a really really relatable trans experience yes that's that's the what she sees in in Laurel that's yeah that's sort of like a something she picks up on is and um because it is suggested that there was some traumatic stuff going on in Laurel's life there was some rocky hills that they that that have already been crossed in that in that regard but they were there you know um but I think in Duke's case it's much more severe obviously I mean she wasn't even allowed to she had no real no real autonomy for for a decade and a half, you know, get her yeah. dressing up like, you know, Robert Palmer music video girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, anybody who catches that reference is a friend of mine. <laughs> um, it's like, I, I can't believe I got away with that. I, I, I wrote in the script, the song Rasputin. Mm -hmm. like, I, I'm like, I, I will not. There's two things in the script I put in the script that I, I'm like, I'm not doing this movie or selling this script without these sort of things. One of them is Laurel will be played by a trans actress. Mm -hmm. And the other one is like, this song goes in this montage. This has to go here. You don't usually write yeah, song cues in a script, but this, it has to be this. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, and then I wrote like in the eighties, he looks like a mix between Remington Steele and Robert Palmer and the, the girls mm -hmm. are directly the the addicted to love video girls. <laughs> yeah, I was already going to rewatch this movie, but now I really need to rewatch it just to catch all of these references. Yeah, yeah, it's a, that was yeah, that, that was the most fun. That makes me wonder. I know you know all of us really honed in on the the fashion of the different members of Bite Club. Um, how much of that was? in the script initially for you? And I mean, how much of that was brought by the actresses and, and you know, as things went on? Well, I, a lot of, everything's a collaboration to some degree with the, my department heads and stuff like that, but all the, the design like faculties, like the initial the push of all of them is based upon what, what I saw them as, you know, like I, I'm very hands-on with that kind of stuff. The, you know, like I, I design all the titles for my movies as well, nice. you know, um, the, but however, so 
initially the world of bit and the costumes were going to look a lot more authentically punk and distressed and, and busy, you know, like I, I always saw Duke in like white and with like a, like the, the sort of look she has. Um, Cause that's sort of a Duke's name that she chose for herself is, is a nod to David Bowie's thin white Duke, but also right. because she's a, and Diana Hopper, the actress got this was that in her verbiage, and who she is, she's also a farm girl. She's a shit kicker. And yeah. she would watch she would watch John Wayne movies with her dad. And so it's like a it's a both that aspect of Bowie and then the Duke John Wayne, you know, yeah. where she she keeps some of that shit kicker vibe. Um, but it's all it was all there, but I wanted it to be like much more lived in. And then I realized that it because like my first two movies have that feel, like they're very lived in. The, but then the amount of time we had and the money, I realized when you cross a certain budget level, you just have enough budget basically to pay for the crew that you're going to have. And the time, for instance, like, I, like if you're working with actresses who have TV contracts, you can't touch their hair. So I couldn't give Diana mohawks. We had to find a way around that. And that's where the braided look, which was designed by, the, by hair, mm-hmm. um, came in because you, you can't alter their hair they have to go back to tv and another thing is is that i didn't have the money or the time to make things look distressed or lived in so at the with i had less than a month of prep to make this movie um and um which is bad um (laughs) and so i decided i decided that i had to lean into i had to go the other direction like okay we're gonna go pure pop it's gonna be total artifice we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna go go full CW, but I'm gonna make make it the most violent and lurid CW that you'd never get on that. But I, I, I'm like, I'm gonna embrace this side of it because I can't get realism in it, and I don't want to half half it, you know. So I thought I'd go with much more iconic stuff, you know, like yeah. m- bold, iconic, and and sort of like uh, artificial. Like it's a, it's a it has a much more artificial pop poppy vibe to it than was conceived of in the in the script well the 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 style of the movie is fantastic i think it worked really well especially when you have that um you were talking about that 90s like new line cinema uh style or the new new line cinema look you know like we're um everything's in like a back alley and there's plastic sheeting everywhere um yeah, I, I, it, for me, it was intensely nostalgic as well as being, you know, cool and of the time, you know, that's, and I've, from my younger friends, I've heard nothing but good reactions to that. Well, I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I keep coming back to the fashion and just how great the clothing is in this movie and how much it does to create the world in these characters. And I was just thinking about how you said nobody really wants to know more about Keith or Sutherland's sidekicks and Lost Boys. And I wonder how much of that is just they're all dressed to just be mini extensions of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Versus through their fashion, through their demeanor, through like the backstories we get, all of the members of Bite Club feel like distinct, unique characters that makes me want to see them all as like, protagonists in their own right yeah 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 i i you know if there's ever another one i i definitely would would explore explore them more um 
there, there is a, there is a few scenes I did have to lose that I think give them a little bit more uh, screen time, um, which is unfortunate, which is the nature of the budget, the beast, you know? You're saying we can expect to see the the Elmore cut out here sometime soon, right? I would like that someday. I'll make um, that hashtag happen. (laughs) That would, that'd be great. But, but the, but really, I feel like this is the movie that people have engaged with. So I have to just live with it. Um, and, and if there's ever more, uh, you know, I, I, I would much rather go into the world more and maybe flesh it out there than, than quote unquote fix what, what I feel I don't like about, about the edit because, because th- this is the movie that exists now, you know? So like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say no to that, but, but it just, that'd be a lot of like time and energy when I'd rather spend it telling new stories, you know? Yeah. I, I know we were all ready to, you know, write one shot comics about Roya and Mr. <laughs> Kitty and, uh, and frog and stuff. So. Yeah, we have a bunch of, this is our cold pitch to you right now. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm kidding right now, but I think later, maybe not. One big question <laughs> we had about the movie is that we were really excited to ask you is, we need to know everything about the hamburger pendant. <laughs> um, you know, I'm glad that read because in the, in the script and what it was should have been, I wanted it to just be a hamburger hanging on a shoelace. And there was so little time when she came walking there. Well, and it was, but when she came walking down and it was done in that ribbon and it was kind of subtle, I'm like, damn it. Now I'm going to have to really punch in on this thing. But really that's just, I knew a guy who would wear tape on his shoes and people would ask him about the tape on his shoes and you'd go, it's a conversation starter. And I thought that was so dorky. Uh, and I, I don't even know where the hamburger came from. It just seemed like a, a, a dorky thing that, that Laurel would do when I was thinking of her, you know? Um, I love that so much. It's yeah. like, it just feels like such a perfectly dorky thing for this character on the cusp of adulthood looking to fit in in a new world. Yeah, yeah, she's she's in the script. One of the biggest changes from script to movie isn't like in the script. She's written much more like Mar, uh, Daria Morgendorfer. Like she's a mm-hmm. little bit more wry and sarcastic. Mm-hmm. But I again, I had so little time and it was and Nicole had never really done anything before. She'd only had like a minute and a half in Royal Pains and and I knew she was going to kill it, but it became very clear as soon as we were filming that, like she has such a huge personality and her thing is like a different type of charm. So that I was like, I need to just lean into that. Like we're, we'll just, we'll just go that direction. I'm I'm not going to try to beat out of her, her natural sort of buoyant uh, charisma that I feel she has, you know? There's not enough good things we can say about Nicole and Diana's performances in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, D- Diana Diana is Steve McQueen. She is so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, it's weird to be around her. I've never been around somebody so comfortable in their own skin in like a weird it's like she's a like a gravity well. Like it, it, it's like hanging out with like uh, a cat that has a human brain. It has cat qualities too. Where we're just like it, when it looks when it looks at you, you're just like I don't know. Like, she's just so confident and cool and like. Um, but one of the very sweet and just like a great person. She really nailed that performance. Um, she, which is like key. If Duke doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. You know. Yeah. Um, 
I, I have a lot of experience with like non-actors and, and, and stuff like that. So I wasn't too worried about working with Nicole. Um, and I knew I was going to have to spend most of my time working with Nicole. Cause she's goes, goes from one minute in Royal pains to being in every scene of an entire movie. Um, so, you know, Diane, Di- I needed somebody who could, you know, carry that, that role. And, so had, had and she just did. <laughs> had, what? Yeah. Had Nicole's role in Supergirl started when you filmed this movie? She wasn't even cast in that yet. No. Oh wow! That's... Wow. Um, she didn't get cast for Supergirl till we were shooting. We were like we were like two three weeks into shooting, and and then they cast her for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's great to hear about uh, Diana Hopper because I, I feel like literally the moment Duke walks onto the screen is when the movie starts. Like, yeah, you know, she's that, freaking that first great. Scene is, yeah. is is good, you know. It's but it it it's. I feel like intentionally cut to feel like every other, you know, teen vampire thing. And then Duke walks in and it's just like, it's like a thousand volts to the fucking system. Whatever yeah, that, like old Hollywood producer, it's like, she's got that star power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's she got boxy. She's, she's great. The, the beginning killed. That's another thing that kills me. The, in my edit, it just opens on the dead body. Like there's none of the other shots. Mm-hmm. And there's no, I don't have the voiceover. The voiceover thing at the beginning and the end um, was sort of forced upon me. Um, it was like, you do this or we'll have somebody else do this that, that wouldn't have been Nicole or, or me. And uh, so I just we went into a booth with Nicole and just wrote a few things down. I'm like, are you okay with these jokes? And she's like, yes. And we went with them for the, for the beginning of the end. But the, my, my edit of the, there's a line at the beginning of the movie that got cut out because they just, I could not convince them of what this scene's supposed to be. Um, it, where the, the, the character of Cody, like it's supposed <laughs> like the scene has like an arch feel to it. And I'm like, I want the audience to know it's okay for them to laugh. Like um, before the voiceover was a part of the thing. And the line is supposed to be, she's like, okay, you know, but we have to go. And then he stops and goes, well, what about my band? And that line is so <laughs> fucking crucial because that's like the, it's like, here she is. Throw, like, that's the whole idea is like, they're planning to run away. We don't know anything about him. And now he's immediately, now that he's got vampire powers, like, yeah, but I, what about me? <laughs> you know? And I, I, I'm like, this, that needs to be in there. And they just, they took it. There's, the, the, I struggle with the opening a bit until Duke Duke comes in. Um, um, uh, a lot, you know. Again, it's eighty five percent of that movie and the edit of that movie is me, uh, but that fifteen percent really just gets my goad. You know, uh-huh. like it just does. Yeah. I and mean, we've we've all been there. Oh yeah, yeah. Really? I bet. Yeah. It's like you 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 you're the person who knows how to make the thing. So just can you just leave me alone and let me make the fucking thing, you know, like, right. like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. But that's, that's, uh, that's my problem with the, with the whole <laughs> process of making movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's interesting, uh, cause you know, just coming from a creator perspective, like looking at the reactions a lot of people have online to just like clearly looking at the trailer for this movie and not watching uh-huh. this movie, is is just so like uh, the same the same shit that I think we've gone through with a lot of our our stuff, which is like people are reacting to it like uh, 
you know, the, the bits with Duke are like gospel in this story. Um, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, this story has the same perspective as, as Duke does. And uh, it's, it's immediately like clear people who, who haven't watched the movie and, and don't understand like what it does have to say about gender. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. I, I mean, we should just ban the Internet, frankly. I, I think it's like <laughs> the fucking worst thing on the planet. Uh, it, it's just it just Duke says the line. It just where it just grows Petri dishes of this kind of shit, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. conspiracy theories. And that was years ago. I, like I, I wrote that line. Um, the conspiracy is about vampires, but metaphorically, that's what I was seeing. And I just think like like um, it, it's created such a it's such a devastating thing well if i could change any line a bit it, it wouldn't be that men can't handle power it'd be like men can't handle the fucking internet they just <laughs> they just can't they, they they find themselves in these echo chambers and and they 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 just the the mindset of feeling like you're some sort of brilliant centrist you know and it's just like you're just wanting i mean fuck i could just go on and on I, uh, but I, I, I actually enjoyed that when the trailer came out, an army of people went to like everywhere they could to download the movie based upon the trailer and a movie that hadn't been released yet. Uh, one, I'm a huge fan of movies, love movies to death. Uh, I have never once voted on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, like that takes a type of person to even do that, to go to like Metacritic and, and need, like, I need to let people know. Um, and, and I just thought that, like, I, I was just so happy to ruin any of their days or to get them all riled up. Like, I, 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 could, care, I could care less about them. It, it, is, it is interesting, though, when you go down the, the deep dives and the, the YouTube videos and stuff, and then there's, like, one of them will pop up having watched the movie and, and being like, actually, guys, it's not quite that. And, like, kind of hedge their <laughs> bets because they realize, like, oh, shit, it's just it's just pretty funny you know well watching them try to struggle with the fact that they enjoyed it it's pretty funny you know yeah that's great well i I, uh was talking to jeremy about it and how i felt like the um like all the downvotes of the people who are super reactionary about it were kind of a bitter well i mean it's bitter because it's so it's negativity but it's really a victory those are the movies that i'm instantly like i need to go see this like right a hundred people who have clearly never seen this movie all downvoted it for some reason. Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. I, I, and and frankly, like I, I don't want to make that person's day. I want to ruin their day. So I'm glad. Like I, I'm, I'm yeah. happy that they're in a twist about it or, or fuming about it. It's just you know they're not going to be able to enjoy their Nazi rally. You know, oh. <laughs> in the back of their head the whole time. Yeah, that's a, it's, that's a victory right there. Queers they, are infecting our good old fashioned American vampires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a very, very unfortunate sort of a very unfortunate like um, turn of events. Excuse me. Um, that that it it didn't get to go to theaters because of the yeah. pandemic, you know, because um, it was supposed to. Um, yeah. But like. I, so keeping its presence entirely online means that the the conversation is only online. It's all, you know, it was, it, it, and it just gets buried under that, that kind of noise, um, which is the sort of downside. So yes, I do sort of laugh at it, all the trolls going after it, but it, it does suck that they're so uh, numerous and uh, fevered that, that they can like 
dominate like what they can dominate the conversation on what is if you type in reviews for both what's published on Rotten Tomatoes and not like there's a ton of reviews for this movie and they're positive you know yeah um don't get me wrong I if I had to sit back and objectively review the movie myself I have some fucking huge cribes with it um I'm not saying it's like belongs in the lexicon of great fucking movies but I'm just saying like they're the way the way I get asked about the the split of it it's like it's it only it's an illusion that it's that split because it's really just a bunch of loons losing their fucking mind over a movie they haven't seen you know like that's that's not a that's not actually a split reaction it's most of the people who actually sit down and watch the movie and who've written about it have been like oh it's kind of fun i mean at worst they're like that's kind of fun but slightly and they have like you know sometimes valid i have uh, lots of criticism so you know I was I was pissed off at the I'm glad that this guy for Variety reviewed it mm-hmm. and he's the same guy who just gotten a ton of shit for for promising young woman. Uh, oh, do you oh. remember that? Do you remember this? He just got a yeah. bunch of shit for for his review of promising young woman. And I I don't care. I, I, I'm not saying he should like or dislike a, a bit, but he had this line in it where he just says, I'm glad we're at this point. But and I, I was like so miffed by that. Like, who's we? Yeah. Like, you mean this movie? Like, th- using the royal we there and just completely dismissing it as if like, oh yes, we as culture are at this point now, good. And like, pats himself on the back for that. Like, like no the motherfucker, church, this church. movie's at this point. Like, where is yeah. the other one you can you can point to? You know, like, I don't, I. I, I I, I, I don't mind being, I would, if my place in this world is just like a stepping stone for, for Nicole to be the biggest star in the world, I'm happy with that. If my name gets wiped off the chalkboard, I'm fine with that. But this is first, you know, it, in some way, it, it, it holds a place as being first in some, in some regard, you know? And I just I was agree. so, yeah, I, 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 I was just so miffed at, at that suggestion that uh that it's like like it, like it was collectively decided that it was okay for this movie to exist <laughs> this movie is a, a delight to watch no this Appreciate and it. and that 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 kind of criticism is just so 90s like quote unquote 90s d- democrat right where they're like well racism's over you know we did all this stuff like it's just it's uh it also misses the point, which is that this movie is the point of this particular spear going forward. Like this is this movie has done so many things and been a good movie. Like if you're, if you're making yeah. Bradley Whitford and act one of get out uncomfortable, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just I just like I, I just thought that was a, a silly thing. And you're, and you're right. It, it That is sort of nailing it. Just sort of like I just thought it was funny. Just the use of the royal we there was just. Like, all right, just t- tell me you didn't like, you know, whatever. Like, uh, but that that just really pissed me off. But uh, other than yeah. that, it's got decent views, you know. So yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's that's kind of our whole shtick is like finding, you know, genre horror movies with, uh, you know, with these sorts of unusual progressive politics and and things to say in them. And I mean, I I can tell you from us having looked quite a bit, like this is the first. Uh, you know horror movie that we've we've seen we've talked about that has a a trans main lead and we were looking desperately for like something with a 
you know, non-binary characters the lead recently and, you know, weren't able to find anything in that respect. Yeah, I, I would venture to say that in so much as America is concerned, it might be the first genre film period to have a trans lead where the, the in so much as it's a genre film and, and not the, a trans lead where the point of the, and an unequivocal lead. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, where the movie's not about the trans experience. I think I think it holds that place. Absolutely, here. without a doubt. Like I appreciate it so much. Like I, you know, I like the. You know, there's always room and a place for the traditional trans narratives, but to just have a genre story embrace its being a genre story while having a trans lead. I don't know. It's just it's such a wonderful representation. Like to see. Yeah. Yeah. It. It's a. De- it's just. It's. It's. De- it's depressing uh, <laughs> that that is in any way revolutionary. I just think like, when, when can everybody get with the fucking program? Like this, it's not even that big of a fucking deal. You know, we're, we're trying our best in the comics world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, to- I mean the comic, the comics world is just full, like, especially when it comes to superheroes, just full of like the worst fucking people. Um, <laughs> on the, I just, it, it's, it's so, because I'm a massive comic book like loon. Yeah. you know i'm i am like movies are like third on my list of things i care about number one rock and roll number two comic books you know and i have i do i don't like to hang around comic book people or go find out comic book conversations because they I, they they're just the worst they're well, that, you have that, to find the niche people you really yeah do. of course i mean there's yeah. there's good people <laughs> everywhere but but i'm talking like you know what i mean that is oh, absolutely a, I'm holy talking cow <laughs> That yeah. is a toxic, toxic world. Yeah. Lordy. I can imagine any, yeah. I, I, I just, people lose their fucking minds about some of this shit when it comes to comic books. And it, it's, and it, it's weird how, how, you know, people outside of like the online conversations might not take those conversations seriously. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of nerds online, but how much of an effect that actually does have on culture. Like, yeah. like you, can, you can look at Gamergate as like a ground zero for for so much of what's wrong because it's a codifying element it draws it draws these people in and their voices in it's why i hate the internet and then they they go from yelling at somebody who put a queer person as batman they go from that and doxing them and and to moving over to somewhere else to harass and harangue and grow and and associate themselves with other movements and radicalize it's like i just i hate it yeah. yeah. It's especially tricky when you're, you know, when so much is online, like you said, you know, it's, it's really difficult to put your blinders up, even though, mm-hmm. you know, you know that they're out there, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be trolls out there and stuff like that. But so many people blocked on Twitter. I can't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. And, and you gotta, especially if you're a creator or something, um, uh, like you got, you gotta be online. You gotta be promoting yourself, yeah. you know? so it's like there's no no way to avoid it but i i not a day goes by where i don't wish the the one the one element that i am nostalgic for um you know because you know as things move toward complexity i i I do miss when the internet wasn't such a i never wanted computers and the internet to be such a big part of my fucking life to be honest i just didn't you know i'm in that way i am very much a gen xer you know i just (laughs) like i uh, lord you know, I feel like Diana Hopper must never go online, right? That's 
That's how you get so confident. You just stay away from that shit. Yeah. I just, I just think she was just, just has more gravity than most people. <laughs> I just do. Yeah. She just got a totally different aura going on. Um, yeah. Well, is there anything else, guys? Um, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Um, yeah I think that's everything I had. I, you guys had I, anything yeah. else? That's it. Thank you so, so much for talking to us tonight. Absolutely. It was an absolute. It was an absolute pleasure. Th- thanks for letting me ramble. I, I have a tendency to just blather on, but uh, you know what? This I appreciate was a, it. This was a movie we all really enjoyed, and we learned a lot of great stuff about it. And I'm certainly coming away with a deeper appreciation. Yeah, we blathered quite a bit about it, so it was nice to hear you blather about it as well. Oh yeah, so. please. Yeah, I'll I'll be I'll definitely be checking that out. I didn't want to. I didn't want to like. I didn't want to go into it with any preconceived elements. You know where or possible fights to pick. Um, <laughs> but um, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, mean, it means a lot. Um, and uh, thank you for your, your time and energy. It's really cool. And thank yeah. you for making this film that is on this spear point. You know, this is, it's incredibly important. Absolutely. Um, and, and whenever you decide to do those, you know, one shots about all the characters in Bike Club, just, just hit us up, you know, we're. Yeah, I'm, I'm an yeah, artist. We're here yeah. for it. I'd do i do it in a heartbeat. I'd contact the producers. I'd love to do it. That'd be great. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's like I you have whole uh, creative yeah. teams ready to volunteer. Yeah, you have yeah, I'll, I'll do art. They'll yeah. do how do you feel about working for exposure? No, I'm just kidding. That's 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 what's always kind of stopped me from being in the trying to get into the comic book world to yeah, be to be frank. Because my response it, is I've taken worse deals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, the, I, comic book artists bear such a brunt mm-hmm. uh, that, that, like, their, their, their page rates for the types of things they do, it's just like, it's abysmal. It's like, until I can afford to really facilitate, I feel like, a fair page rate for an artist, I've sort of stayed out of that, you know, um, because it is something I'd like to do someday is, is get into comics because it is the greatest medium on the planet um, by far. I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be here. I'm also not very much online, but I do answer my, my DMs. <laughs> uh, right on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate y'all. Uh, I'm going to yeah. head up and yeah, get moving. Thanks, thanks so Thank much for again. spending time with us. And then yeah. anytime, oh, anytime you want to come on and talk about a, a scary movie that you like, I mean, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And is there anything you want to plug right now? Uh, I mean, my first film's on YouTube. <laughs> the Wolfman's <laughs> Hammer. It's, re- it's really good. Check it out. Um, no, uh, not really. Um, and I, I'd do the show anytime. Just uh, let me know. So I, just let me know in advance if you want to hear me talk about anything. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to peace out. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You you too. (laughs) Bye-bye.